The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Zion Christian Academy, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Coach's Corner, Fast Stop Convenience Stores, Lee Company, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. sports and beyond it's on southern middle tennessee sports today welcome back into southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint happy to have you guys with us here on this beautiful thursday as the sun is peeking out um post 19 Scheduled to start tonight with their Independence Day Classic. Yeah, we probably should have included their schedule. Let's go ahead and get that um, now. Rundown. Oh, you're right. Yeah. um, Today's action in the eight-team Independence Day Classic, um, sponsored by Post-19 Seniors. At 5 o'clock at Spring Hill, it will be Pulaski Post-60 versus Baldwin, Mississippi, Post-130. At 7.15 at Spring Hill, it will be Pontoc which I don't know, that that looks like it should have an extra syllable in there, but... On to top. Yeah, well, that's what it looks like, but I don't think that's how it's pronounced. But I'm not from Mississippi. If you can pronounce anything from Mississippi, congratulations. Yeah, that team, post 16, will take on Tuscaloosa, Alabama, post 34 at 7.15. At 5 o'clock at Dave Hall Field on the campus of Columbia State, it will be Tupelo, post 49, versus um, Gonzalez, Louisiana, post 81. And in the 715 nightcap at C-State, it will be the host, post 19 seniors, taking on Mayfield, Kentucky, post 26. So, All right, should be fun. And we should have coverage on the website at sm-tnsports.com, so be sure and check that out. So long as the weather holds off, and right now it's looking good. So uh, knock on wood, folks. Knock it on all the wood here in all the studio. Uh, joining us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, uh, it's uh, about nine minutes to the top of the hour, so we want to get a, a little bit of a little Mike Soroka talk in because of, in a former life, Pernell Knox was an athletic trainer, and uh, we're hoping that he can shed some light on this uh, this Mike Soroka situation. So welcome in on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, current Columbia Athletic at Columbia Academy Athletics Director Pernell Knox. What's up, guys? Appreciate you having me. You know, I um, I hesitate to have this conversation with a Dodgers fan. I know it. But I'm, I'm not sure that there are many people more knowledgeable about athletic injuries that we have access to. <laughs> Today. Than Pernell Knox, so um, access to is the key word, right? It, it, now access is everything, man. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, what is what is your experience with with Achilles injuries? I mean, have you dealt with those in your realm? Uh, 
Injuries, yes, I won't. Nah, he, he's he's in a in a bad spot apparently. Hey, can you guys, hear? we can hear you now. So just say what you just said again. <laughs> I said uh, I've only had one athlete to have a complete rupture of his Achilles, but I've you know of course dealt with Achilles injuries uh, quite a bit. So just having one athlete with it, it was a basketball player. Uh, however, he did make a full return, but he was out for probably about a year. Uh, and really became himself after two years. So, um, with Soroka, right-handed pitcher, tore his right, felt a pop in his right Achilles. Um, well, okay. So, initially he tore it on August, last August. Had surgery to replace it. Um, had exploratory surgery in May after suffering a setback. And then popped it again, um, what, on roughly last week, June 26th, yeah, last week. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about anything as far as this goes, Purnell. But it just feels like to me that maybe he was rushed or he rushed. Maybe Maybe he wasn't rushed, but maybe he came back from this quicker than he should have tried to do so. Yeah. Um, also, what you guys probably need to know, too, is, and of course, you know, I read up a little bit on this. I don't know all that went into it, but a lot of times with athletes, you have to make sure they're not doing more outside of the training room. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if he didn't have his boot on a lot of times while at home or so much goes into it. But uh, that is that is that is one of the biggest keys, especially with a Achilles injury. You know, usually you're immobilized in a cast for six to eight weeks, and then you're immobilized totally for anywhere up to three to four months. So, so and, go ahead. And that's and that's kind of important to 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 note because you know athletes are they're the, they're the type of people who don't want to be sitting around yeah. doing nothing. So uh, even if even if he did sit for however long at, at what point you know did did this become an issue uh you know afterwards i'm i'm not sure how you rupture something after it's supposedly intact i mean they just had exploratory surgery on it 2 months ago yeah so from what I'm reading up, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but through the surgery, they found out that uh, his sutures correct. Uh, were, were not, I guess, at best. So I don't know if that caused, I couldn't find, but I don't know if that caused an infection uh, in his foot. Uh, but anytime you have sutures reject, that's the body's way of saying something is not right uh, with this foreign material that they put in my body. So it, it tries to reject it. A lot of times you do have an infection with that. So I don't know if they couldn't tell the infection, if it was minor. Uh, and then it just, you know, over a period of time became very, uh, very bad to where, you know, if it had been immobilized this whole time and, you know, that stirring up and stirring up, it doesn't take long for an infection to be bad and cause serious damage. I guess my concern at this point, Purnell, as you're dealing with, 
a re re injury of that same Achilles, uh, even at his age, you've got to wonder if he comes back. And I think that's an if. You know how effective can he be with that? You know, having having recovered from that twice now. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, I think what he does have on his side is he is a pitcher. Uh, so really, the only super wear and tear that he will put on that leg is during you know his conditioning and, and things of that nature. To where if you're a basketball player and you're cutting and doing this, you know, all of the time. Uh, that's going to bother you quite a bit more. So with him being a pitcher, I still think he has a good chance uh, to come back and be effective. Um, he's going to have to make sure he stretches really well. He's going to have to make sure he ices down, you know, after starts and after rehab. So if the surgery is done correctly and everything goes well, uh, I think he could still be, you know, quite the pitcher that that, that he's already been. How long? What's the timetable on that? If you if you had to put something on that, just ballpark. So with it being his second, and and like I said, I don't know if he had an infection with him rejecting those sutures. I'm going to assume he probably did. Uh, I would make sure it's a lot longer than the first time. And usually AC, I'm sorry, not ACL, but Achilles. Usually, it takes about a year to come back, but more, more times than not you're usually yourself after that second year. And it's not because more more often it's not because you're not physically capable already. It's usually the mental aspect. You're just worried about what if. That makes yeah. a lot of sense, man. It's it, it and it'll make more sense for him after doing it twice. Well yeah. I think this will tell him he's gonna have to be slower in his yeah. return, he really tried to – I don't know if he tried to rush it. He just thought an aggressive rehab because he'd seen – we've seen some people come back in eight months. Yes. We've seen it successfully done. So that was his thought process, and I get that. So yeah, it is what it is. But I think I think it is going to have to be at least 12 months, maybe 16, before we see him again. Yeah. I, I hope we don't see him again until at this point, 2023, just to be – You know, and – and one of the biggest things, you know, that the athletic world thrives on is competitive nature. And athletes are competitive on and off the field, and rehab is a part of that competitive nature as well. So sometimes that can bite you in the rear end, especially with an ACL injury or an Achilles injury or, you know, uh, a big-time shoulder injury that you have to recover from because you – are so competitive, and if the doctor says or your therapist says, "Oh, this is going to take two months," well, I can do it in a month, a month and a half. Yeah, you can't do that. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. Pernell, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate your time. Sorry we have to cut you off so quick, but uh, we are up against the top of the hour. So we appreciate your time. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon, man. Appreciate you having me. You guys, take care. All right, we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stick around, top of the hour.
Nashville, Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Good morning to all of Southern Middle Tennessee as we come to you live on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint from the Lee Company studio right here in Columbia, Tennessee, in the Front Porch Sports Headquarters, WKOM 1017 FM. Also, 94.5 The Eagle. Our friends down in Franklin County. Happy to have you guys uh, with us as well. I want to take a quick moment and uh, tell you about one of our fantastic sponsors. Uh, This segment is brought to you by our friends at Zion Christian Academy. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go tour their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. There you go. Uh, Mo, we just got through talking about Mike Soroka and his Achilles injury and what that means. The Atlanta Braves could certainly use him, but they wouldn't have needed him last night. No, they wouldn't have needed him last night. They didn't really need Max Freed last night, but it was sure nice to have him back from that blister situation that put him on the injured list for about a week, 10 days, whatever that is. But, yeah, um, and – Thank goodness for Ozzy Albies. Now, even without Ozzy's seven RBIs last night, the Braves still would have destroyed the Mets. But Ozzy Albies is. I mean, he really set the tone, though, I think. He is Like on you said, seven RBIs, two home runs. The Braves scored seven runs in the fourth and six in the eighth. Yeah. And a 20-2 win over the Mets. Ozzy, for the month of June, he played in 28 games. He hit 321 with 36 hits, 10 doubles, two triples, six homers, 29 ribbies, and a 973 OPS over the month of June. Can you say player of the month? That sounds like player of the month to me. <laughs> I don't know I mean, who else it could be. Not in the National League anyway. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, again, they won that game 20-2. to They finish up the series against the visiting Mets. Today at 6.20, that game will be shown on Valley Sports South. It will air on 103.7 WKRM-FM, pregame starting at 5.05. Ian Anderson gets the start for the Braves, 5-4 with a 3.42 ERA. Excuse me. Jacob deGrom. Enough said. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 7-2. I don't know. How has he lost two games? Uh, because they didn't score any runs in those two games. Well, like zero runs. That he, makes sense. He does have a really nice ERA, though. 0.69. Nice. Guy is giving up less than one earned run per start. So um, so the Braves, as they try to improve on their 38-41 and 41 record, will have their work cut out for them against the 41-35 and 35 Mets. So they try to cut into that lead and – inch ever closer to the 500 mark. Um, As we mentioned, Max Freed, five innings pitched yesterday, gave up two earned runs on a Pete Alonzo, two-run first-inning home run. Um, Struck out seven, 
Jesse Chavez, two scoreless innings in relief. The thirty-eight-year-old. Come on. Yeah. So, um, as as mentioned somewhere on Twitter, we we finally figured out how many how much of a lead the Braves bullpen has to have to get out with a victory. No doubt. Don't you laugh? Yeah, you can't Don't laugh. You laugh. Yeah. I'm this not. this guy over laugh. here talking, he he laughing like we'll his team. We'll get to you in a minute. Yeah, like, like well, his hey, can team. Can we talk about why today it. is such a brilliant day? We're going to get to that too, but we're going to get to you and you laughing over there. The same thing to make you laugh, make you cry. Now we'll, we'll we'll be to you in a second. We have a lot. We we have obviously this day in Braves history coming up, but some some other historical numbers here mm-hmm. uh, based off last night, and the Atlanta Braves have scored 20 runs or more just nine times. Just nine times. In the modern era, which is 18,740 games that the the Atlanta Braves or the Braves organization have played. All right? Three of those occasions, one-third of those occasions, have come in the last 97 games. They did it. 20 they they scored 20 35 games ago I forget who I forget who they they beat 20 to 29 to oh earlier uh, this year Yeah earlier this year they did it and then of course oh, it was Pittsburgh the, That's right and then the 29 to 9 of course that set the NL record They almost shut out Pittsburgh in that what 20 to 1 win thank you Jacob Webb <laughs> Yeah and with last night's performance, Ozzie Albies joins Joe Adcock as the only Braves to ever tally five hits, two homers, seven RBIs in a game. Adcock did it July 31st, 1954. Uh, Adcock actually had four homers and a double in Milwaukee's 15-7 win over Brooklyn. <laughs> but Ozzie Albies has been the guy, and right now, which at the top of the lineup, when you see what happens when the top of the lineup all hits at the same time. Do you, this is what could be. <laughs> it reminds me of the final scene in Bad Boys when when Will Smith looks at Martin Lawrence and says, now that's how you're supposed to drive. <laughs> that's how you're supposed to drive. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, that's how that's how y'all are supposed to hit. From now on, that's how you hit. Um, this day in Braves history. On July 1st, 2003, the Florida Marlins tied a team record with 25 hits as then-rookie Miguel Cabrera, Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez, and Luis Castillo each had four hits. Cabrera homered twice in a 20-to-1 victory over the visiting Braves. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Only downside to that one was when Atlanta outfielder Darren Bragg had a bat slip out of his hands and a photographer was hit, had to be airlifted to a local hospital there. But um, the loss dropped Atlanta to 51 and 30. They recovered pretty well. They finished 101 and 61, winning the East by 10 games over Florida. So they went, they were 51 and 30, and they went 50 and 31 over the next (laughs) 80. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. Pretty consistent there. <laughs> that's, that, yeah, that, that's pretty well. They were 51-30 and 30 at the halfway point of the season. That's Those were the I, days. I would take 50-31 and 31 the rest of the way. Don't think it's going to happen. 
I would tell right now, 50 and 31, 100%. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen either. The worst part is even if we went 50 and 31, uh, I mean, what, what does that put us at? 88 wins. Mm -hmm. I mean, 88 wins would win the division. So there you go. So, (laughs) I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this Braves team, uh, comes out tonight. Obviously, plenty of confidence, but you've got Jacob DeGrom, who is by far the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. I don't think there's any question there. Jacob DeGrom is not David Peterson, who was the Mets starter yesterday. Right. So, So, I I mean, you got to hope. Now, uh, I think I read a stat last night that Ronald Acuna Jr. has homered in one of every 11.7 leadoff at bats. At bats. That's insane. That's, you know, that's that's why, you know, I've, I've never been a big fan of batting anyone other than the pitcher ninth in National League games. But, but the idea of having somebody on base in front of him when he's leading off isn't necessarily a bad thing. Well, heck, Max Freed, his bat's probably good enough to hit seventh in the lineup from last night. <laughs> True that. <laughs> anyway. The Nashville Sounds continue their six-game series at oh, First wait. Horizon tonight against the Louisville Bats. Sounds fall to 31-17 and 17 after last night's 2-1 10-inning loss. Louisville improves to 19-30. and 30. And whatever was going on in Omaha must have translated because former Mississippi State standout Ethan Small who was named yesterday to the All-Star Futures game, threw six shutout innings in his second AAA start, giving up three hits with four strikeouts, got the no decision in that ball game. Nashville scored its only run in the first inning with back-to-back doubles by Cooper Hummel and Zach Green, and then Louisville tied it and won it late. So yeah, That's tough. You know, it, I'm feeling like Ethan Small had a Mississippi State T-shirt on. Last oh, there's no question that that kid probably came off the off the bump and 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 ran his, to the clubhouse and, and checked his phone and said, "Hey, I'll be back later, guys." Yeah. Holla, <laughs> man! That's a yeah. If you pitch for Mississippi State yesterday, <laughs> last last night was a good night. It yeah. was a good night. I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah, if, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, obviously, in the next segment with Chris Lee of Vanderbilt uh, VandySports dot com. Um, before we get away from the sounds, and as we return to intern two over here, Aaron Ashby made his major league debut yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers, and it did not go great. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. It was it was not a good day. It was not a good day for Aaron Ashby. Um, gets the start for the Brewers, goes two-thirds of an inning, gives up seven runs, four of which were earned. Nice. <laughs> However, did not lose the game. Why didn't he lose the game? How do you give up seven runs and you don't lose, Mo? Seven runs in the first inning. Yeah. And because the, uh, the Cubs saw that and were like, hold my beer. I'm going to do worse. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Brewers answer with 15 straight runs to get Ashby off the hook. Defeat the Cubs 15-7. to seven. The Cubs become the first team in Major League history to score seven first inning runs and lose by seven or more runs. And they scored all of those in, like, the first four innings. After, like, the fifth inning, I think there was one one run scored in the game. 
So good job by Milwaukee getting Ashby off the hook. <laughs> Not yeah, good job. That's insane. Uh, I'll tell you the uh, the Cubs are are struggling, bro. It is what it is. <laughs> and, Set of philosophical losses, so Smith. I have a very I have a very good friend of mine who is a Cincinnati Reds fan, and as we talk about, uh, as we talk about the NL Central and how unfortunate they are, this you know you said that Sonny Gray could potentially pitch at some point in this series for um, the bats for the bats, and. I could see it because they're they're struggling. It might have get, just been wishful thinking on my well, part. Well, they're struggling to get healthy right now. The mm-hmm. the Reds organization is, and and my my friend Josh Campbell says, while the Reds quote wait to get healthy, the bullpen short and shortstop continue to be an issue. The Reds continue to be inconsistent and fall further and further behind. What does that sound like to you? The bullpen and shortstop continue to be an issue. The Reds continue to be inconsistent and fall further and further behind. The bullpen and shortstop. Inconsistent. Hmm. Issues. Hmm. Falling further behind. I'm like, sir, Hmm. our favorite teams are literally the same (laughs) because we are wasting one of the best players in the game with a trash pen and injuries everywhere. Because Nick Castellanos does not deserve this. Ronald Acuna Jr. the third does not deserve this. And yet here here we are. And here are the two teams who played in the in the opening series of the playoffs last year. Like just they're the exact same team. Yep. It's like Atlanta North. (laughs) It is so wild. Goodness. Anyway. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Happy the Bobby Bonilla holiday Day. of all time. Oh man. How about that? Getting That's... paid a 1.19 million every year. Apparently it's it, 1.4 total. It oh. is 1.4 total for a guy who's been out of the game for nearly 20 about years. About that long. <laughs> it's probably 03 whenever this contract was signed. How long is he going to get paid until like what 2035. Year? 2035. Another goodness. 14 years. How how did that happen? I refresh my memory. Like I, I'm not going to refresh your memory. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, so, it's just been a while. When he was with the Mets, they decided to defer um, 5.9 million of what he was owed, and this was what the deferment eight percent interest to eight percent interest. So instead of just giving him five million, they give him. Uh, it would be a total it was of thirty. Worth, it was worth it to them to have that five money million. on hand and push the payment off. You know, sort of like buying a house. Thirty-six okay. million dollars is what they will pay him in the end. Wow, for six million, basically. That's that's rough. I it's guess rough. if they now it, it's, it's so also badly. fair to know that um, some kind of way Bernie Madoff was involved in this because I think he was like a financial advisor for the Mets at the time. Well, there you go. (laughs) 
Make make of that what you will. He thought the one he thought the one point two million dollars was not real. <laughs> he thought somebody else would pay it. And I guess the Mets did. Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh man. All right. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to continue talking about the College World Series as we visit with VandySports.com's Chris Lee on the other side of the break. So stick around on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. We'll be right back. Keep your home as comfortable as possible. If you have any issues with your air conditioner, electrical, or plumbing systems, call Lee Company. Our techs use visual findings and other technology tools to add transparency and clarity. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on the roof. We're here 24-7, so if you need us, call us. Lee Company. Call 931-548-4448 today or schedule your appointment at LeeCompany.com. That's LeeCompany.com. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Hey, welcome back in to segment five of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, along with intern two, Lawson Smith. Chris Yao pushing the buttons, running the controls, and trying to get Chris Lee on the line because we got involved with some off-air conversations and neglected to do so, but I do believe we have, I, I, Mr. Lee. Chris, are you with us? I, I really wish that folks could hear our off-air conversations because but, they but are they are fun. But there, There's uh, a reason they're off-air. <laughs> exactly. That being said, we, we did get Chris on the line, and Chris Lee of AndySports.com joins us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Chris, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, good morning, you guys. <laughs> is, it, is it a good morning for some oh you know it's probably a little better than Starkville than in Nashville this morning but you know it, it was a great season for both teams uh you know the, the one that I have primarily covered just frankly I thought ran out of gas there's no shame in losing a national title series uh you know I, I know that's a disappointment basically for the fan base right now but that's also a quite a statement of, of, of where this program is exactly you know, the fact that you are disappointed at finishing number two in the country um, is a – that's a disappointment that, quite frankly, Vanderbilt fans don't get to feel very often. So, um, kudos even in that to Tim Corbin and to the Commodores. I mean, Chris, something has felt off about this team, just to be blunt, 
from the final weekend of the regular season forward? It really has. And, and I noticed it. And, and look, some of it, the fans, they're just so used to this standard that's been set so high that they panic at any notion of something looking amiss. And sometimes that's just baseball, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Exhibit A, the, the team that beat them last night and looked flawless in doing it lost two out of three to Missouri uh, in the next-to-last weekend of the regular season. By the way, that was at home. And, and by the way, that Missouri baseball team this year um, – was, was one of the worst that I've ever seen in the league. They were run so, 35 days ago by Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> there's there's an up and down to baseball that, that just is for all those reasons that you that we just outlined. And for that reason, I, I was not, you know, where everybody else was hitting the panic button, I was saying, hey, hold on here a minute, right? Um, but but at the same time, I, I did see it. It was the ascribing meaning to it that, that you just didn't know what to do with. But look, it, it didn't make sense because I remember the Stanford game, and I looked in that dugout from TV, and I'm just like, this, this team is gassed. This is where it ends. And lo and behold, in seven pitches, they advanced to – Hmm. Um, you know, they advance on and eventually get here, and we can talk about the NC State thing and, and everything. But look, they got here. They did what was in front of them, and they got here. And the signs there, I just kept thinking, well, I, I would have thought it would have cracked by now, and it didn't. And, oh, by the way, you got Rocker and Lighter and, and two stud relievers, and sometimes that's enough. And, and, and guys, it, it, it darn near was. It just – it all fell apart those last two games. Um, I thought they looked exhausted and, and not ready for the moment. Again, that's not to pass judgment on them. It just was what it was. But, uh, you know, look, hats off to them for making it this far. It was a great season despite of the way that it ended. But it, at the end, experience matters. Having been through the grind, I think, matters. And you saw one team that was equipped for it and one team that was not. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Chris Lee of VandySports.com. Chris, I think everything you've said was was spot on. I I think they looked, you know, your your characterization was exhausted. My characterization was disengaged, maybe. Um, I mean, just some of the mistakes that they made were not – characteristic of what you expect out of a typical Vanderbilt team. I mean, they made, what, 12 errors in the College World Series? And yeah. traditionally, Vanderbilt is one of the the cleaner playing teams that you'll ever come across. And I, I think that was, you know, kind of exhibit A, even more so than the offense that last night got no hit for seven and a third innings and was hitting – 198 coming into that game in Omaha. But, you know, the pitching was basically what carried them to this point, and specifically, like you said, rocker and lighter because everybody else was pedestrian, and you can't necessarily afford to be pedestrian in Omaha. Yeah, I think, look, (laughs) 
it, it's exhausting covering a postseason run just as a writer. <laughs> um, now let, let's throw on top of that. These are kids that have to go and do it physically. Oh, by the way, that starts. Uh, well, it restarts in mid-January, but also goes to fall. They, they do summer ball, although they didn't last year. You throw in a pandemic and the stops and the starts and the the issues that causes with conditioning and everything else. And, and oh, by the way, there were forearms that they should have had pitching in Omaha that you didn't see because injuries took their toll. Um, we have wondered why Enrique Bradfield Jr. was not running out there. You had to suspect something was off with him. Sure enough, Tim Corbin had been asked, and I don't judge him for this, but all along we asked him about Bradfield. He's fine. He's fine. Well, last night he finally admits he's been a little banged up, which wasn't hard to figure given that he had run with reckless abandon all year and didn't, didn't run at all in Omaha. Mm-hmm. So there's that. you got a shortstop in Carter Young who had been phenomenal all year, just one of the best I've ever seen in the SEC at fielding his position. And, Chris, he looked awful in Omaha. He looked awful in Omaha. And, sure enough, he's having shoulder surgery. But And, um, and, and i got, I, I got to stop you here because two things. I love that Tim Corbin wants to protect his kids. But when you're telling me after the fact – that this is going on with Bradfield and this is going on with Young and this and this. I don't want to take it as an excuse, but sure I can understand like where somebody would. It, it's context. Look, and, and I talked about the forums are missing. There's a lot of teams that are missing arms. I mean, guys, Georgia lost basically its entire rotation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They never had some of the kids this year. Ryan Webb got hurt. I mean, Arms are getting increasingly tough to protect. And you throw in all the stuff that happened with COVID, with conditioning, that threw another layer on top. So, look, everybody's dealing with this stuff, right? Um, I'm sure Mississippi State somewhere was missing a pitcher or two that it could have had. Tennessee was missing the guy that I think in Jackson Lee that thought would be its Friday night ace. This does not come in a vacuum. Right. But my goodness, I've, I've never seen a Vanderbilt team that had this many guys beat up, banged up, out, whatever. And, and I want to say probably by a factor of three, if not four, compared to whatever the next most beat up team he's ever had. Um, you had guys playing less than 100%, as we said. You had Tate Colwick, who was their everyday second baseman. Billy hurts his hand twice and isn't anymore. Um, he just had all sorts of stuff going on. Basically, Bradfield and Nolan were the two guys that stayed in the lineup start to finish. We find out later Bradfield was hurt. I think literally every position on the field but center rotated at some point. Uh, and then sometimes that was really, really briefly for a game or two. But the point is there wasn't a position on the field that was not affected. Um, and and look, you can call it excuses, you can call it whatever. Mississippi State was going to win that series if they played it again. Take nothing away from them. And I think it says a lot about their coach, Chris Lamonis, that they were peaking when they did. But it's not an honest discussion if you can't mention what happened on the Vandy end. And I don't think that was insignificant. 
And despite all that, they're one win away from a national championship. And I think you have to recognize that. And, and that's what it made it so confusing. You're sitting in there going, you can name all the reasons they shouldn't be here. But at the end, they were. And after Monday night, they needed one more to go. They were the Vegas favorites. It just didn't happen. Um, it really was a pretty remarkable and interesting story. Well, all I know is should have taken out lighter on Monday and pitched him again on Tuesday. <laughs> I keep saying that. Nobody wanted to listen. I'm kidding. Yeah, well, uh, had you done that, it keeps you from pitching a kid who should be – you know, returning his prom tux and, and <laughs> getting ready for the summer before his freshman year. And you could have thrown you could have thrown him the second to the seventh you know, inning you on know, Monday night. Chris, how much do you expect Christian Little to grow from his experiences in the CWS? Oh, I think he has to. Um, you know, and, and players that don't generally don't stick around there. Um, that, that kid is really talented, guys. Really, really talented. Um, emotionally, he's not there. He wasn't prepared for this. I don't know how he could have been. Um, I think if that kid is, is able to mature and learn from it and, and put aside the frustrations, like when you're a highly competitive kid, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to set that aside. How many times do we see you know, a guy at the major league level strike out and then you catch a glimpse of a corner of the camera where he's, you know, destroying equipment in the tunnel. Um, baseball's a tough game. It's a game of precision. It's a game where you got to manage your emotions. It's hard for those guys. I think it's really got to be hard for a 17-year-old with all that pressure on him and you throw in school and all the stuff that comes with being with Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I, I think it's a learning experience. I think he's probably going to be the next great one that they've got and, and man i'm very interested to see what that development is going to look like because the stuff is there no doubt i think christian little is is definitely the future uh star of that pitching staff uh for sure uh chris McElvain, outside of his the, the two home runs were tough and the first one the solo shot was a really good pitch that the kid just went down to a knee and hit out but uh he he's certainly going to be a big part of that rotation, uh, if if not a starter, definitely in that bullpen. So that that's a kid we like to talk about a lot because again he did he played here re- locally at at Summit and that sort of thing. So um, I'll I'll be interested to see how this pitching staff stacks up for the future. I mean, obviously you're losing the two superstars. Who's next? But it seems like Tim Corbin always has somebody in the pipeline. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is they always have talent. Um, but there's a lot of talented pitchers, a lot of places, a lot of places. Um, Florida will be the, the big example. Florida's got major league pitching talent on the roster, but none of those guys, well, I shouldn't say none. As many as I think we thought would have stepped up didn't this year, that's going to be Vandy's challenge. They got a lot of great arms. We've talked about Little. Patrick Riley is one of those for sure. Um, you'll have some freshmen who come in. You'll have some kids who weren't factors this year that I'm sure will step up. But, you know, the, the bar's been set pretty high. You look at the kids in the majors. You look at the two that are going to get drafted in the top ten. Uh, do they have another arm like that? Little could be one. Will he be it next year? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see 
um, how they take all this talent and how many of those guys take that next step up to, to where Vanderbilt's got those elite arms like it normally has. And frankly, you, you probably don't have anybody that's been there and done that who will be on that roster next year unless maybe it's Nick Maldonado and he's a draft-eligible sophomore and we'll see what the pros think of him. The fastball below isn't, isn't there like some other guys, but that, that cutter, slider, whatever it is, sure is nasty. So it's going to be interesting. They've, they've got a lot of talented arms, uh, but I've seen a lot of seasons where they will go into with more proven arms than they're going to have next year. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Chris Lee of VandySports.com. Chris, I'm, I'm reminded as we discuss, you know, Vanderbilt baseball of, of a comment once made by Arkansas men's basketball coach Nolan Richardson that, you know, the thing about creating the monster is you have to feed the monster. I mean, as you mentioned a little bit ago, the bar has been raised significantly for Vanderbilt baseball over the past few years, you know, having won two national championships now in the past seven years. Um, So this type talk, you know, this type disappointment at finishing second, you know, comes with the territory when you've done what they've done. And let's go a step further. I was talking to a friend of mine and he used to cover the team. And I, I wish I could remember how he phrased it, but the saying, basically what he said was, these kids are getting the downside of being in Vanderbilt without reaping the benefits. Me- meaning <laughs> that when you've got that jersey on, mm-hmm. it carries with it a certain expectation. And I, I'm not I'm not throwing stones at any of your guys, but I've been on a few talk shows where, you know, the, the question was, well, doesn't Vanderbilt have an advantage in this because of the been there and done this? And, and, and I've said, well, okay, hmm. you have a, a program culture where maybe that permeates and a guy in Kumar Rocker who could maybe lead by example, but that doesn't change the fact that none of these guys who were in their lineup were, were regulars in, in 2019. Right. They're, they're all going through it new, and then you add the injuries to it, right? But the expectation for everybody is you're Vanderbilt and you win. And you've got kids that are, I think, carrying around that weight. It seemed like it was palpable in the finals at times. But they don't have the pedigree themselves of having been through all the wars. I don't think you can replace that. And you look on the other dugout where you've got Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan and all those guys who've been in Omaha three of the possible three years that they could be there. Um, I think that thing matters. I think in spite of it, they carried around, as my buddy said, kind of the burden of being Vanderbilt uh, without it being really fair because they hadn't been there. And again, they're they're very talented, and I get all those things. And and then, Mo, you add on top of that, um, they, they get vilified for the NC State thing, which they had nothing to do with. Um, no state shouts the unfair scholarship advantage um, louder than the state of Mississippi and no fan base has been, you know, more fully throated about it than, than the one they faced. And, and all of a sudden you go to Omaha and the place is overrun with their fans too. It just, boy, it, it was a lot to bear. And I think it says a lot about the culture that Tim Corbin has created 
that they're able to get this far underneath all that. Well said. Absolutely. Chris Lee, VandySports.com, on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. One quick question before we get you out of here. Chris, uh, the name image likeness is is official today. You can get paid to use your name, image, and likeness if you're a college athlete. If uh, if you could if you could have somebody that you could represent right now, Chris, who who would who would be the company that you would be endorsed by? Are, are you current? Are you talking about current or right, any, all time? Right now, who would you right be endorsed now, by? At Vanderbilt. <laughs> right now. Uh, it's the guys that make those melatonin tablets because I need a half of those every night uh, to, to get to sleep after these late nights. Uh, those, those things work. Those things work some wonders. Uh, so that would probably be it. And probably there's a few kids on the team that might say the same. <laughs> probably so, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, Chris Lee of VandySports.com. Uh, on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, and we are getting ready to talk a little bit more about that name, image, likeness situation on the other side of a break, so stick around with Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be right back right after this. Fast Stop Markets is a full-service, family-owned convenience store chain located in 14 locations throughout Middle and West Tennessee. For those in our listing area, you can find them in Columbia, Centerville, Lawrenceburg, Spring Hill, Dixon, and White Bluff. Fast Stop partners with wholesale fuel brands like Shell, Marathon, and Exxon, delivering a consistent customer experience that is fast, friendly, and clean. If it's not already, it will soon become your go-to store to shop in town or on the road. Fast Stop Markets is proud to be keeping you moving in Tennessee. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Yes, welcome back into the show. 12 minutes to the top of the hour here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao, joined by Mo Patton and Lawson Smith in studio with you. we got a lot to talk about in this last segment, so we're going to get right to it. Real quick, um, we missed some high school coaching news earlier today. Um, Steve Dodd is has been named to uh, the head boys basketball coaching position over at Dixon County, and uh, that's kind of relevant here in Columbia. Well, considering he replaces former Columbia Central boys coach Hal Merle in that position, yeah, so, Merle having moved on to coach girls at Forest, Steve Dodd has been coaching for probably 40-plus years. Uh, he was most recently at Sycamore after leaving Hillwood. He coached Hillwood from 08 to 19. 
He was the boy. I didn't realize he was at Hillwood that long. It struck me after we were having that conversation off air who Steve Dodd was because well, I initially told you. Nah, now I know why it didn't really ring that much of a bell mm-hmm. because he was in Kentucky for quite a while, including at Lindsey Wilson mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years. But uh, NAI Hall of Famer. Um, coach said Alderson brought us in Oklahoma. It, no, in West Virginia. I mean, in West Virginia, Oklahoma Christian. Uh, and, of course, at Bethel, he is a Lipscomb and Austin P graduate. So he will take over the Cougar program. It's a pretty big hire, but, I, 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 I mean, good for them. Yeah. Um, also, uh, they're going to need it. <laughs> Interesting timing, again, when you're making moves, and he was at Sycamore. Yeah, so Sycamore now. So Sycamore looking now looking for a coach. coach in the middle of the dead period. That's, that's, <laughs> that's tough. tough. <laughs> um, also, I was just browsing through Twitter, and uh, it looks like the do. deal is actually going to be confirmed. Uh, Victor Arvidsson. Is going to be... On the move to the LA Kings, and what's speculated is that some picks will be coming back to the Preds, but uh, an era is over. Yeah, I mean, we all love RV, but... His time is up. Not just that, but we were expected to lose him to Seattle anyway. Exactly, so it's good to send him off and get... Get something Yeah, in get something instead of just n- losing him for nothing. Right, so... so I mean, still some folks we could lose in that expansion draft. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Seattle takes it. But this is this is a big loss for the Preds just for, you know, the fact that it feels like in the last couple of years the Preds have lost several name guys. And, you know, guys that you, you just you know who they are and have cheered for them and bought their jerseys. If you're Lawson. <laughs> Speaking of jerseys, I'm going to ask you guys this because I'm interested here. I, I'm, I'm, as a youngster, I wore my Steel Dogs jersey to ball games. That was a game worn jersey by a, a player. But eventually, I kind of started going away from the name on the back of the jersey. I, I don't like to wear jerseys with somebody else's name on them. What are your thoughts on that? I don't mind having another person's name on the back because I, I like representing that, like I, supporting my favorite player Okay, in a sense. Um, however, there was a time where I, I told you when we were off air uh, – I had a Craig Smith jersey, but I back then also wore the number fifteen. Gotcha. So in it a said sense, Smith, in, and you were in fifteen. A sense I was wearing my own jersey. Yeah. I think that might be some place that you get to. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. as you get older. Yeah, this guy said after thirty-five, don't wear jerseys to ball games unless you're matching your kids, but. Sarah and I wear jerseys, brave jerseys, but it has Yao on the back with 11 and 28 on the jerseys. I wear number 11. She wears 28 because that was the day we started dating, November 28th. So 
Yeah, but like that was like that's it. Like that we don't wear I don't wear my Kenny Lofton jersey anywhere, is all I'm saying. Other than un other than wearing it ironically and like being funny that hey, I have a Braves Kenny Lofton jersey, check this out. <laughs> Cause that's that's random. <laughs> that, that, in this day and time that is pretty random. Yeah. You're right. But yeah, I I think that you know, we're kind of seeing the difference in a younger kid. Twenty-two. Year I mean, old. I also I also do have uh, the original Preds jersey with ninety-eight and Smith on it. So it's I'm back. I'm well, I don't that's, have a, that's, I don't have a preferred side, and I'm for both. Honestly, yeah. As okay. long as you're supporting your team. There you go. All right, there you go. Um, six minutes to the top of the hour, and uh, name, image, likeness goes official today. Uh, we told you about all the the kind of the weird rules and dumb rules that the NCAA has uh, has put together. But a lot of folks asking right now, what what purpose does the NCAA serve at this point? And I don't know. I mean, this was kind of their 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 shtick for a while was keeping <laughs> this from happening. <laughs> so uh, what purpose do you serve now if you're the ncaa i don't know it's this is crazy i guess you try and profit as much as you can off of it i but guess you can't they're not profiting at all well I, I meant like by advertising those certain players i guess well so they were supposed to set up a third party organization that like handled all of the, you know, the compliance and whatnot, but now they've just passed it on to the schools that two weeks ago, they, they pulled out of that. Now they've just passed all the compliance onto the schools and that's just going to be a mel of a hess. And once you get into that again, what purpose does the NCAA serve folks? I, I don't know. This is going to be, this could be the beginning of the end of the national collegiate athletic association. Good riddance. <laughs> Well, all righty then. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, it reminds me of that meme with the, the old cowboy. Well, well bye. bye. <laughs> yeah. You would know what that was if you'd ever watched Tombstone, Mo. <sighs> Mo's never seen Tombstone. You ever and, seen Tombstone? And I even have no, it. I I even have Y'all it. need to watch it together. I even have it on a flash drive. Do we Do we need to have a watch party a here at the party. station? A viewing party <laughs> a for Tombstone, Tombstone viewing here at the party. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's the thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was going to tell you, and, and I, want, I, I know we're just like hodgepodge potpourri right here in this segment, but I, I, I want to go back to the College World Series because have you seen this, this bull crap thing on Facebook that said it has an NC State the people's champ on it. That's ridiculous. Okay, 2004 Auburn. Okay, UCF. UCF. Yeah. Maybe they should put a, maybe they should put up a banner and maybe they should give out rings. That's fine. But here's my problem with it. Had Vanderbilt won? Okay, maybe. I can see that. I can, I can see you having a legitimate Beef. Well, they. I think their their beef is just as legitimate because they didn't get the opportunity to play Mississippi State. Mississippi State beat the fire out of Vanderbilt, and NC State beat them one to nothing. Well, okay, but I mean, NC State came back from a twenty-one-two loss to Arkansas at Arkansas to win twice in Fayetteville. I I get. Wonder it. how Arkansas and Mississippi State came out this year. 
I get it. All I'm saying is that you would have a better chance at me being okay with that if Vanderbilt had won. But you can't call yourself the champion, the champion. Here's the thing. If you didn't even beat the team that won it Here's at the thing, all. And, and you have heard me use this phrase before. You are applying logic to an illogical you know, it situation. It is an illogical situation. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Um, it's just it, Mississippi it's embarrassing. State was swept by Arkansas at the dude. It's still it, it's so, an embarrassing situation. Just don't do that. Just don't do it. Well, I mean, you can't call yourself for, for the champ for something to be embarrassing. You have to have the ability to be embarrassed, and I don't think NC State does in this situation. Uh they really don't. They don't. No they shame. don't. Feel, they don't feel like they've done anything wrong. They feel like they have been wronged. Sure, but Victim that doesn't mean complexes. it's accurate. No, no, uh, I don't disagree <laughs> with you. It's just very. I think it's embarrassing to 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 call yourself a champ when you didn't. Win when anything. it wasn't even. Yeah, you didn't even win your last game. You know. Had they had to forfeit yeah, or no yeah. contest and they had won their last game, maybe. But you didn't even win your last game. So I'm going to say no. Only one team didn't lose their last game. And that team is Mississippi State. Yep, congratulations to them. (laughs) There you go. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. We appreciate you being here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. From the Lee Company Studio, 94.5 The Eagle WZYX. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We come to you from... The Front Porch Sports Headquarters for Lawson Smith and Maurice Patton. I'm Chris Yao saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia.